this is the part of the podcast where I let you guys know that Josiah is as far right as you can go on the uh, political spectrum. He likes to pretend that he's a leftist, but it's just not true. He's as alt-right as they come. Uh, he has a picture of Trump actually tattooed uh, right on his shoulder. Um, that's why he always wears long sleeves. Uh, so that's just something that I think everybody needs to know. Needs to This information needs to get out there. <laughs> you will know. So, uh, so one thing that we do is usually whenever anyone leaves the mic, we, we run a short ad for yeah, the show. But, but back, it looks like so Josiah's that, that back, so the it. moment's gone. Yeah, I did, um, I did just ruin it. Um, Kelly put the headphones on, though, and was listening to you guys talk, so she can... That's nice. funny. To me so she all. definitely... She, she heard my ad. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm excited to listen yeah. to it in post. <laughs> uh, all right, well, the guy, Josiah, the guy will be here in like 10 minutes or so. All right, we so could get through the opening I'll step thing away then. and then, you know, and then Kip and I have known each other long enough. We can talk. It'll it'll work. It won't be awkward. You just got to shoot the shit. You, yeah. you can jump into the com- some of the content section and we'll, uh, we'll go okay. from there. Okay, all right. So this is maybe an this episode. This usually runs Jared. five or six hours anyway. Right, so. right, yeah. <laughs> it's only gonna be like i make that joke every episode and it's always funny and usually it's never not been funny that's true uh let's go ahead and do the love dare real quick before you get out of here how's that sound let me me load it up sounds great i always panic because i know i have the file on my computer but i always forget where it is oh and then i do this thing where i open it and then i've opened it a second time and realized it had been opened in another tab already um for me preparing so anyway uh yep uh so we're, we're uh day 18 love seeks to understand uh proverbs three thirteen. how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding today's dare prepare a special dinner at home just for the two of you the dinner can be as nice as you prefer Focus this time on getting to know your co-host better, perhaps in areas you've rarely talked about, determined to make it an enjoyable evening for you and your mate. And so uh, today I, um, I made a spaghetti dinner with, um, with uh, like garlic cheese bread and stuff. Um, but Jared's in Illinois, so uh, me and my girlfriend ate it. You know, that actually works out very so well because my roommate also made a spaghetti dinner, which I <laughs> ate. <laughs> so, you know, right yeah, in a way. So it's kind of like I made you that dinner in a sense, except somebody else did. So it's it's like I'm I made you that dinner, is what that's and really then, like. And then James uh, made your roommate James made made my girlfriend dinner, and that's kind of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> this seems worse for you on every <laughs> front. <laughs> I'm getting cucked by your roommate. <laughs> <laughs> While you're taking me on a date. Yeah, this is all just bad. Well, let's let's not go. Good. Not good for you at all. Let's go ahead and introduce the show. How's that sound? Um, uh, wh- Welcome wh- to very legal. Very cool. An episode about learning how to spell Kip. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kip, how do you spell Kip? It's with two P's. Like, literally two minutes in. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
That happens. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, well, welcome to Very Legal, Very Cool. Uh, we are joined today by um, a, a good friend of mine, Kip Paulson. Um, say say hello, Kip. Hello. I'm uh, I'm glad to be here. Hey, hell this, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 2021. Somebody, we added a, a whole other year. We just did it. <laughs> Uh, so he's a what, long-time listener of the show. Has been yeah, listening for much of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Much, much of 2020. He's at least listened to um, oh what probably one third of the episodes that have come out in 2021. <laughs> so, <laughs> so more dedicated than most of our fans. That's, that is true. That is true. Um, so, what are you guys drinking today? Let's do that real quick. Do I usually do? Does the guest? Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, oh, it doesn't. Doesn't. I, th- I thought Jared would do it first, but you know. It... <laughs> but in this episode, the guest goes first. Okay. okay all right. All right. Uh, well, I got I got ginger ale and whiskey. Oh, that's um, good. Which have you? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I got. Have you thought of combining them? <laughs> you know, I, I I went ahead and I did combine them. They are. Oh, the not dude, you're. We're on the same same wavelength here. This is a good sign. I'm drinking today um, a Coca-Cola with coffee um, they've started making, and they're not really that good, but I, I grabbed I them anyway. Say, that sounds disgusting. And it's vanilla flavored also. I don't – it's not that good, but it's not that bad either. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of mediocre. And what are well, you drinking? I am, I'm mixing it up today, and instead of drinking a blackberry bubbly like I usually do, oh, I'm no. drinking a strawberry bubbly. <laughs> And it's pretty good. Well, I'm glad you're yeah, covering all the bases. Um, <laughs> let's let's go ahead I'll be and able uh, to set it next to the four or five other cans of empty bubbly that are sitting at my desk. <laughs> uh, let's let's ask Kip a few questions before you have to rush off. How's, how's that sound? Yeah. So, would you, would you uh, like to start us off? Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, Kip, I've been thinking of starting a. A business on Facebook where maybe I do like uh, I don't know high school photography and take photos of my friends and stuff. But what what camera will make me a photographer? Yeah, mm. make you a good photographer. Oh yeah, no, a photographer, a, a photographer? professional photographer. Yeah, what what camera will make me a photographer? I mean the the when when you go to Best Buy, um, I don't want to spend more than five hundred dollars. More than five hundred dollars. Yeah, so you you're gonna want to spend every one of those dollars. <laughs> um, and then you're gonna want to get a credit card with uh, from Best Buy because you're not gonna spend over the 500. Um, uh huh. And so it'll, you know, and the credit card will be, you know, just a mere two thousand dollars, and should be able to get everything there. There you go. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. So, uh, so I got I got this right here. Uh, you let Josiah live with you for a while and are therefore a landlord. Uh, where will you hide when the revolution comes? Oh, I know. I know I'm the first one to, to get got. <laughs> I know for sure. So uh, rumor has it you're a mailman. And that sounds a lot like the patriarchy. Why, why is it not female man? Uh, I, I prefer the term letter carrier. So, oh, that's uh, good. That's more. <laughs> what happens when you have to bring packages? Um, well, I mean, it gets awkward because everybody thinks it's a joke about my package. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. 
which is a hilarious joke. It's it's hilarious, and it never yeah. it never it never gets, gets old. old. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Have you ever had somebody sign for your package? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never have. That's, that's not. <laughs> That's not come across. Uh, okay. Uh, so we all agree. Uh, we're all in agreement here that artists are a drain on society. Yes. Uh, so why do you participate? <laughs> well, you know, I, I just want to get in on it. You know, if everybody's going to be a drain, I, I want to also <laughs> drain every one of, you know, their their thumb movements on Instagram. Right, right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, you're you're right. in. Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yeah. Fuck Mary Kill. We got Joe Biden. We got Corn Pop, and we got Uncle Joe. Who's it gonna be? Oh man. Oh yeah, I read it wrong. But yeah, you read it. it. You read it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, well, restart. 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 Okay, all right. Okay, fuck okay. Mary Kill. We got Joe Biden. Okay. In the other corner, we got Corn Pop. Okay. And coming in from the left, we got Joe Biden, but when he was a hot lifeguard. <laughs> so we got so we got two versions of Joe Biden in this situation. Yeah, cu- current Joe Biden and corn pop, and, and like Joe Biden from I guess eighteen thirty or whatever he was. Young. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna marry corn pop. Um, Naturally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck I'm gonna fuck young Joe Biden, and then I'll kill current Joe Biden. So t- to be clear, he did just uh, say he's going to kill our current president. So yeah, the, the, uh, fed, no, the feds note are on. that down. Yeah, <laughs> this has been know. an elaborate sting. This and, and I, I can't wait. I mean, this is going to go out to your is it two hundred twenty two thousand subscribers? Yeah, the the yeah. that's yeah millions even. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have. We have more reach than you can possibly imagine. You, you, uh, you, you heard of Joe Rogan? Yeah, we, right. we dude is here. I, I will be. Him. I'll be back. <laughs> okay, well, Jared's out of here. <laughs> this is such a chaotic no. episode already. <laughs> no, I, ha- I haven't heard of Joe Rogan. Who is that? Oh yeah, I was just can, saying. Well, we we you, taught him. We. <laughs> oh, can you yeah. show me a couple of his episodes? You know. No. Like, I, <laughs> I can't even think of. I don't listen to Joe Rogan ever. Uh, the at my current job, a lot of people, you know, they you're allowed to listen to music or whatever while you're delivering. Right, right. And there's a lot of people that listen to Joe Rogan, and it'll it'll come up when I ask for podcast recommendations, and it'll always oh, yeah. come up, and I just like. I'm like, I try to act interested, but I'm like, oh my god, like. Yeah. Do you remember the guy that we used to work with together that really liked listening to Joe Rogan a lot? Do you remember oh, that? Oh, God. Oh, I blocked it from my memory. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. He's like the one. He always made all the racist comments and stuff. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's pretty yeah. cool. Choice. <laughs> uh, well, well, Jared's gone, but we'll we'll carry on, and I'm sure he'll okay. he'll hop back in pretty nicely. Um, so I guess what we said we were going to talk about with you today, Kip, um, was street photography. And I think that's something like all of us, all three of us will be able to talk to because, uh, I don't know, Jared, uh, Jared did like some professional photography. Um, I know you do street photography and I've always cared about film and street photography quite a bit. Um, and then by yeah. extension, you, you got me deeply interested in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess maybe like, what's your, your experience with street photography kind of like open that up i guess 
Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think the I, I got I've been photographing. I would I would I would describe myself as a photographer since about two thousand nine. Okay. Uh, but I didn't really get into street photography until twenty seventeen, um, and that was when I I'd been living out of the state for a time, and uh, I just moved back to Des Moines, and uh, I found myself. Uh, kind of photographing in between shifts at work and it was at the same coffee shop that you know you and I met at yeah yeah and um I would just I found myself photographing uh just Des Moines in general because you know I'd been gone for a year and I was kind of seeing it with new eyes um and it took me I don't know probably about a year year to nine months of just photographing Des Moines not really thinking that I was being a street photographer and then about nine months in, I realized that I had been taking photographs of kind of the same street corners and I had been photographing, you know, uh, different people um, just like, you know, just out and around town. And I, I generally would photograph actually from uh, from my car and I wouldn't necessarily like look through the viewfinder. It was just kind of like documenting what was happening, because mm. even in that short amount of time, I would notice that you know, they would tear down a building or, or a shop would close and a new one would open. And I just liked the difference in that. Yeah. Like the, of, the, the way the city evolves over time. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And then, um, in 2019, I was able to, uh, have a show at a local coffee shop, Mars cafe. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I took, uh, I realized that I'd taken in 2017 and 2018, I'd taken a total of 50,000, uh, photos Mm. and which is which is a which lot is a lot you know? yeah it's a lot of photos yeah <laughs> and i think it i think it averaged to like 70 a day or something like i literally went out every day taking yeah you know some days i would take more than 100 other days i would take you know only 40 or whatever um mm. but then i called i called that down to 50 photos and i had that in a show there um and that show was kind of focused on uh kind of anonymity in uh in street photography because i'm not a lot of street photographers uh they don't really they'll get right up in people's grills mm. and i'm not super interested in that kind of photography not i'm not necessarily saying it's bad or or good or anything but i was just interested in more how those people were connected to the city that i lived in and yeah, so yeah. all those photos you know you couldn't necessarily see people's faces and that kind mm. of led me to now kind of my current state um where you know 2020 we're not going out you know we're not going out to the bars we're not going out to restaurants and you know there's just less people out um not as Mm. not not as uh few as i would like to see uh Mm. but my current (laughs) my current job uh i can take some photographs you know but i'm not gonna like uh i'm not gonna photograph like in someone's window right right like i but legally you can Oh, right. welcome back, but Jared. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's kind of turned more. It's turned more into a diary uh, for mm. myself since I've been here. But I take way yeah. less photos of people now, and it's more just like things that people discard. Um, like mm. I found like a whole book in a gutter that was just drenched in water, and it was like mm. uh, I, I wonder how this book got here, kind of thing. So mm. yeah. Yeah, that uh, that's kind of interesting. Like, um, I think we'll we'll probably get into some of the history that we at least know off the top of our heads of like street photography. So I don't want to do the obnoxious like drop name dropping thing. 
uh, but I'm about to anyway. Um, it's, it kind of kind of sounds like you've shifted from like your Robert Frank kind of stuff to. I think of like a lot of Walker Evans photos where they're um, yeah. like, here's just a ripped up poster um, and kind of like the, it, it communicates kind of that depression era loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I think there's kind of like an interesting parallel between uh, that and COVID. Totally. Yeah. And I did notice, um, cause I, there was one thing we, uh, when, when you and I did live together, we had a lot of talks about kind of um uh, the the thing that can happen in photography a lot is like people can kind mm-hmm. of uh, veer towards being kind of pretentious, and yeah. I'm not you know I I I definitely am a part of that you know I'm not I'm not immune to that mm-hmm. uh, I I want everybody to think my photographs are great uh, but I realized that um, a lot of what people react to when I post things online are generally when they like get connected to like an emotion yeah and yeah. And I think a lot of people got into that, especially with uh, a lot of the protests over the past summer. There was just so yeah. much going on that uh, I noticed that a lot of my photographs kind of didn't have emotion because they're just like a street corner where the person's standing there. Like, you know, yeah. I, I like there, there's nothing to feel about it. It's just like it is what was there kind of thing. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a, yeah. a good photo should tell a story, right? Something that someone can connect to and mm-hmm. build off of themselves. Yeah, and well, but that's, that's true of a lot of art, right? So yeah, I I, w- I went to your your art exhibit though that you did at Mars, and um, I remember like my my take on what the theme of it was, um, and I yeah, you know, which was was kind of interesting watching how different people pulled different things out of it, because um, that's yeah. what art does, but. Um, for me, it was like the theme I mentioned earlier of like loneliness. That was like the big uh, theme I felt. I think partially because you specifically were choosing photos where like people's faces were hidden. Um, mm. There was kind of that that anonymity and loneliness. And I specifically remember a photo you took that was at um, the state fair in in Iowa here, and you were um, you were like on the oh, what the the skyline like things. What, oh what yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the sky like, chair or something like the that. The sky yeah. chair things. Yeah. So it was like an, a downward aerial shot. Um, yes. And there was a guy guy in a wheelchair, but um, everyone was making a huge effort to stay away from the guy with the wheelchair. So even yes. though it was like one of the uh, photos that had like a bunch of people in it, it had this like really staunch loneliness to it because it's like this entire crowd of people making this giant circle to stay away from somebody with a disability. Um, I, I, I've thought right. about that photo like quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. And whether it was conscious or subconscious, you know, like there still right. was, there was a visible ring around this person, yeah. you know, for whatever, for whatever reason. And, and it's, it's hard not to imagine why, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. In, in regards to that show. And again, it was my only show. So like, I, I don't have a ton to compare it to, um, mm-hmm. But most people, uh, they kind of, they would ask me, like, did people, like, what what do people say to you when you photograph? And I, mm. and it, it always kind of confused me because it, it, they, I think most viewers feel like I need to get permission from these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm like on the sidewalk, you know, like this is just, these are, that, yeah. and that's kind of why I would keep my distance because right. I, I didn't necessarily want to. You know, I don't want to ruin anybody's day. You know, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to go around and just flailing a camera on somebody's face. Yeah, sure. That's that's always kind had, of the. Uh... Oh, god. 
have you had the like negative reactions to people from people while you were out shooting? Um, you know, I, I really haven't. Uh, I have, I've had a couple people like kind of um, notice that I take the photograph, but I've never been approached. Uh, I think it's, I mean, generally I'm pretty discreet with these types of things. I, mm-hmm. I rarely photograph with like the camera to my eye. Um, so maybe I'm just lucky. I, I don't know, but right. for yeah. the most part, like I, I, I haven't ever gotten negative stuff, you know, yeah, but I, I, I was, I was surprised that that was the, that was a lot of people. That was the road. The first roadblock that people hit was, they're not even going to say, oh, I like this photograph or whatever. They just would, they would get stopped up right there. And they're like, well, who is this person? And I just was so unconcerned with who these people were because mm-hmm. they're just people that live in Des Moines, like me, you know, like if somebody took, I don't know, Google Street View takes photos of us all the time. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What's, what's well, the I, difference? <laughs> I feel like a lot of people anymore connect street photography to like humans of New York. Yes, where mm, which is not the it's same. It's very at all. biographical, but it's not. It I I don't feel that it really hits the spirit of of what real street photography. I don't want to say real street photography. It is street photography, but um, what the kind of the spirit of street photography? Well, it's is. it's a specific uh, it's a specific tradition of street photography. Um, yeah, because like when I when I think of humans of New York, it's kind of like um, honestly a less imposing version of Diane Arbus. Um, mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's her, a lot of her street photography was, you know, like this really personal um, stuff. But part of what made her unique that Humans of New York is kind of like a a, a less troubling, I guess, version of it is she specifically was interested yeah. in uh, people in society she deemed as freaks. Um, yes. That's the very politically incorrect 60s, um, you know, phrase you would use. But she intentionally was looking out, looking up for like, um, uh, you know, uh, people with odd disabilities or people like um short uh i I guess midgets probably isn't the right term but little people um, is the term little people yeah like um she specifically was like looking for those types um types of people and part of like what made her photography so fascinating um was it took somebody that would be like at the time seen in like a circus freak environment and made them very human where she like photographed them within their own homes mm. just um cooking and eating mm-hmm. and living life uh but humans in new york tries to do that without actually having to have us face um you know someone with down syndrome or something like like right. you know right. diane arbus was trying to do um i don't know right I don't, and I, I don't want to rag on humans in New York too much. I mean, I, no, I no, definitely right. could, but the, the, the well, concept, in that case, the, the you concept, know, let it loose. The concept with like my photography is that like these are just people that live in Des Moines, and yeah. there's with that with with that particular account, like it's this idea that every single person in New York has this incredible story, and like yeah, like. I don't know. Like, of course we are all individuals and we all have our own stories, but like, not like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if that tracks at all. Like not every person you're going to run into has this like backstory that just like can knock the socks off of everybody, you know, like, but, but in New York it it can happen because there's just so many more people. But Mm -hmm. even, even with humans of New York, if you spend enough time going through it, like a lot of the stories end up being pretty similar. Um, yeah. you know, people aren't, people truly aren't all that unique that there's, 
um, you know, story, unique story after unique story that you'll get from just people on the street. You will over time, but um, yeah. I think that that's, that's one of the, yeah, I don't know. One thing I don't like about humans in New York is it, yeah. after a while, it seems like it's just kind of the same, the same kind of story in this. I don't, I think that they, they also look for just kind of normal people, which means they get a lot of normal stories. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah, they they don't want and, the the imposingness of yeah, like an Arbus style. They don't want the whatever. freaks. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. and I, the overriding thing then becomes their story, and it's less about you know like like I don't know because I don't want to talk gear, you know I don't want to get into gear too much, but I'm like, what even is their their photograph? I mean, it is a portrait right. at that point. You know, what's the difference between it being yeah. on yeah, the it's street, not street or in photography a, yeah. in a studio or whatever? Yeah. Sidebar: I think that photographers have become too afraid to talk. Be- to talk gear now i would say so yes i think that talking gear is a ton of fun and gear is Uh, great i I actually that is the topic i know the least on (laughs) good sorry (laughs) no i i i i I know i bore people with my talk of gear (laughs) i no man i so i uh i hired a videographer a while back and we were on a we were on a work trip and it was us and this other guy and him and i talked for three three or four hours driving across oh Pennsylvania about the you know the digital camera industry and like who was making sensors where and right. where we thought the future of the industry was going and the other guy who was one of our sales guys was just bored out of his out <laughs> of his gourd but I you know we were having a great time I I love talking uh, camera gear because at my last job I was a videographer and I had about four hours of work every day and four hours of sitting at my desk reading about gear yes (laughs) oh my god that's how you make the big bucks yeah uh, exactly yeah i don't know anything about gear at all (laughs) like um i i really like if i wanted to get into photography i think i would like sit down and really push that but i um i was really pulled in to like caring a lot about street photography, partially from living with Kip for a while. And Kip just constantly kind of putting the question in my head of like, what is a good photograph? Um, Mm -hmm. And that was, that's like been always my focus. And then I went on to um, take a class of, of photo history um, in college. And then I just kind of dived into the street photography uh, history. So I, I'm really interested in it as an art form, but it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the same way as I'd be interested in painting, but I don't know shit about like, um, the different styles of painting very well. I just know what I like mm-hmm. and what I don't in the history of it to some mm-hmm. extent. Yeah. And in, in regards to like the tech stuff, I actually wrote out before we, before we got started, I wrote out like a little yeah. outline because I actually, the gear, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of break up my my photography story into different uh, years of in which I use different gear. Um, Nice. Just because I it changed my photography so much to use a different camera. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, for example, I started uh, in 2009. I I moved away from Des Moines and I, I started taking film photos. But I I'm I'm old enough that you would think that I learned how to do darkroom stuff. But my high school never had anything like that. So I just like mm-hmm. never got a chance to. And so the only way that I got into film photography was I, I had purchased a camera when I was younger and uh, I, I like used my whole life savings. I don't know how my parents let me do it, but whatever. <laughs> um, but I took it with me. I was, I was, I was 21 
and I worked at uh, a big box store uh, that I believe Josiah also used to work at uh, for a time. Uh, <laughs> and I would go, I would go take photos, and then I would go to work, drop the film off, and then uh, they would it would be developed, you know, before my shift was over, and I could take it home. So my my intro to like film photography was essentially digital photography because I got to see them the same day and I didn't ever have to like mm-hmm. work for it, mm-hmm. you know? So that was my first two years of uh, yeah. film photography. And it, and it was at a time where hmm. uh, film photography was basically dying. Like I, I have probably yeah. my one, my claim, I don't know, my claim to fame is I, I, I have like 50 cameras. I like, I collect cameras, but a lot of oh, them, amazing. I, like a lot of them I got for free in 2011 because people were just like throwing them away. Because yeah. it because yeah, yeah. it did it didn't get cool to do film photos until 2015, you know, like <laughs> right, right. And so it's yeah, cause just it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I I am I am actually really fascinated to hear your your story through gear. Yeah, um, should I continue? Yeah. I, I want yeah, like keep going. I'm I'm hooked. Yeah. Um. Earlier when I bought the when I bought that camera, um, and it's a it's a Sigma SA7 uh, for anybody interested. Uh, and I just had the, the, the kit lens that came with it. And, uh, my parents had also purchased me like a, a book that was like how to do photography. And it was like probably a hundred pages, you know, full color. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was just kind of, it was definitely like, I think I got it when I was like 15 or something. And like, I definitely had no idea what was going on with it. It was more aimed at people that were like studio photographers, you know, it, sh- it showed you how to use flash and everything. It was mm-hmm. like not anything I was going to ever use, but there was one instance where um, there was one page where it talked about uh, collages where you could mm. take a photo similar to how we have pan- panoramic stuff on our phones. Now you take a photo and you shift over, you know, to the right a little bit, take another photo, shift over to the right. Oh, and, then yeah. when, and then when you print those out, you could set them on top of each other and it would show a wider field I, um, of view. Not, not to butt in real quick. No, my, my mom, my mom went to uh, college for photography um, and so she has a lot of like photos that she did like the eighties. Um, mm. and one of those is a, um, a panoramic like that where it's, you know, taped together, um, of the Des Moines skyline, uh, before oh, nice. for anyone who's familiar with Des Moines before 801 grand was built, which is the big, nice. like defining, that's the, the one skyscraper we have. Um, so it's like kind of an interesting, like historical moment. Um, but she was like, yeah, she was going to dump a lot of that stuff out, uh, cause she oh doesn't do gosh. photography anymore. And I, I intervened, <laughs> but oh, anyway, I, I've always, always loved that photo. And I, I, I really love the, uh, the, the look of old panoramics like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that photo kind of, uh, uh, there's a, the particular photo in the book is just kind of like of a, of a field and then they photograph, you know, like what's in front of them. But then they also photograph down to the ground uh, close enough that you can see uh, the photographer's feet. And that just oh. that image kind of just like rattled around in my brain for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then when I started uh, going around and photo, uh, you know, photographing things, I was in uh, I was in Sioux City, Iowa. And I the my thought process was nobody back home knows about this place that I'm standing in, you know, whether it's a derelict building or, you know, a city, a city park, like they've never been there. So if I just take a photo, like they can't see behind me that, you know, they, they don't, they don't know the whole relationship to the whole space. And so yeah. I started, I started taking these collages where, um, 
you know, I would just photograph more things and I actually put them together in PowerPoint because I didn't have Photoshop. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and, uh, uh, they're not any, and like, you know, I didn't know anything about settings or anything, you know, like thankfully they came out. Uh, but I, I have a bunch of them. I think I have like a hundred or so. I never printed them out. They're just, you know, in digital files. Um, but as I worked through those, I, I got kind of more efficient about how many photographs it would take to fill the space. Cause I think the first couple, you know, like the roles that I was shooting would have 24 roles or 24 frames, every role. And there was a couple where the, the, the collage would take all 24 pictures, which is not economical. No. <laughs> and I got, I got down to where I really liked using three, uh, yeah. just to kind of get, you know, get the left and right or the up and down. Yeah. Um, and that kind of ties into, there's an interview with, uh, uh, Conan O'Brien did with Jack White about like the number three being this kind of like super efficient uh, way to do things. And I, I kind of liked that, that, uh, that aspect. Um, and then there was that kind of continued. Uh, I also started uh, traveling to, I suppose the first time I really started thinking about street photography. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't start taking photos like that, but uh, around 2011, I started traveling to Chicago like once a year. And, mm. you know, I just liked riding the trains and, you know, it's just so, it's such a different experience than growing up in Iowa. Yeah, no question. For um, sure. And so I, I, I took a lot of photos from there and I look back at those photos and some of them are good, but most of them are, they're just memories for me. And so I have no way of knowing yeah. really if they're good or if they're bad. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And that's like, I think there's a, there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole book that Roland Barthes, uh, uh, wrote called yeah, Camer yeah. Camer Lucida, and he basically wrote that where he's like there's a photograph of his mother and he's like it's the you know it's the best photo I I know he's like but you know it's the best photo to me and yeah. that's kind of how I feel about that first period uh film photos uh yeah. for me because you know I just I, I don't know if people would put them on their wall but they're I have a very warm feeling about those photos mm -hmm. hmm. um I'll kind of, I'll speed up a little bit. <laughs> um, and then around, no, the, no, you're around, around the end of uh, 2013, I got my first uh, DSLR, uh, which was a Canon 60D. Uh, nice. My now wife bought it for me. And that kind of changed a bunch for me because then, you know, I could take infinite photos. Uh, but I also had to kind of, there were some auto settings, uh, but I had to kind of learn uh, some different things about how digital photography works uh, versus film. Film's a little more uh, flexible in terms of what it can do, and you kind of have to know to to get to get digital to look like what you want takes a little more work. Uh, film yeah. can film can handle some abuse uh, in terms of what you throw <laughs> at it, which is why I think it's gotten so popular because you, you take a photo with a film camera, and a lot of the times it comes out looking pretty good. You know, like right, right. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm, again, I'm not immune to that either. You know, like I, I, I love the way a lot of film photos look, um, 2013, uh, that Canon 60D 2014, I got my first iPhone and it didn't really affect me back then, but this year I think I've taken way more photos with my phone just because mm -hmm. I always have it with me. And it's easy to kind of, you know, pocket, but you know, that's something we can maybe talk about later. Yeah, um, I'd love to get into that. And then, uh, 2014, uh, I, I went to back to school up in Ames. And so 
was kind of around campus. I started maybe taking some photographs of people that would be described as street photography, but I wasn't, you know, I was still more interested in landscapes. Um, and then uh, my wife and I, we made a, a kind of a, a plan. We were going to travel to all 99 counties. And uh, so then I started taking the, you know, the camera along on those trips. And so you get a lot of small towns. Uh, again, not very many people, you know, because they're just, you know, they're small towns with, you know, 100 people or whatever. But you get these kinds of kind of you get more into the kind of like derelict, you know, barns that are out in the country, that kind of thing. Um, and then in 2016, my wife and I moved to Washington State and uh, she got a job there and uh, we traveled everywhere. We, you know, we went to Seattle, we went to Portland, uh, we went into Idaho, we went into like central Oregon. And I did a lot of, a lot of the more typical kind of uh, landscape photos, just again, because it was a new space and I wanted to kind of share what those spaces were. Right. Um, but then that brings us up to when I moved back to Des Moines, which was in 2017, and that's when the street photography happened. Just because I was, again, I just out, uh, and I just wanted to photograph what my city looked like. And that was when I, I actually got a mirrorless camera, uh, a Sony a6300. And that thing, you know, fit in, it, it was so much smaller than the, the Canon that I had previously. And yeah. I took it with me everywhere. And I, I that that kind of accessibility just allowed me to I never had to think about having a camera because it was just always there with me. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. You've you've kind of run the the whole gambit of camera technology from the last really uh like thirty or so years, right? You know, yeah. Especially yeah, right, sense, going from yeah. 30, 40 years, even like going from film um, with to the DSLRs and now mm -hmm. into mirrorless and yeah. Um, not not to totally interrupt or ruin the train no, of thought, but I'm 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 interested to hear um, how how the different formats changed your photography, right? Like you shoot, yeah. Do you feel that shooting it with a DSLR um, changed how you approached photography after film? And you know, you kind of hit on it with the mirrorless, but could you dive into that a little? Yeah, I think with um, uh, and this was kind of what I was talking about earlier with the the veering towards being pretentious about it but i i think that when you take film photographs you know they there are less of them you know and you have to take you have to take the time to load the film you have to pay the money to get them developed and they do feel warmer and they do feel more like memories um but i think when i got the digital camera i still wanted my photography to feel like that and so for a period of time i would not click the shutter very often and there was some somewhere in the middle it just kind of clicked that i was like that was just me holding myself back like mm. there's there's nothing about like if, if i want to spend a ton of money and take fifty thousand photos with a film camera i can do it like obviously that would mm -hmm. cost a lot of money but like hideously expensive hide hideously expensive but you know like it doesn't mean that the photographs i take are gonna be any less important like the right. medium, the medium doesn't necessarily change that, but it, it's just me like saying mm -hmm. that, you know? So like, if I want to go out on a random day with my mirrorless camera and take a hundred photographs around Des Moines, all of those photographs can matter. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And ultimately most people aren't gonna, cause like of the 50,000 photos, 
I mean, Josiah lived with me and he probably hasn't even seen, you know, 10% of those photos, you know, like, like I'm, I might be the only person who's seen a hundred percent of those photos. Hmm. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. Cause I, I come from kind of the opposite, not quite the opposite journey, but you know, I started in, uh, I started with a Nikon, uh, I think it was D5300 on mm. the D5700. Um, mm. Then I sold all my photography cameras and bought a Blackmagic 4K production okay. camera um, for video. Yeah. And then eventually I sold that. And uh, I think that that's when I bought my Fujifilm X-T3. Ooh, yep. Mm. And that's what I've been using for a while. But I just recently, uh, within the last six months, bought a... Uh, medium format film camera so veronica etrsi which is a ton of fun and it's you know i've had the opposite side where it 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 does force you to slow down it does force you to be more invested especially medium format where you're looking at you know you whenever you click the shutter you've just spent two dollars right (laughs) right so (laughs) right yeah so so it, it does force you to to slow down a bit and i like that because i i tend to be an overshooter Yes. Um, especially cause I've done some sports stuff in that we're all, and with the Fuji film, it's got, I think it's like, you know, 20 frames per second if you really want it to. Right. Um, so you can take a lot of photos. Um, but I, I, I found that the fish to the fish, wow. The switch to film, um, the switch to film definitely forced me to be more thoughtful about that, which I'm not saying is a good thing or a bad thing right. for the final result, but I do yeah. enjoy the process more. I'm, I'm, I care a lot about the process almost more than the end product. Cause I don't really share a yeah. lot of my photography or mm, anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't really post it out much. Sometimes I don't even edit the photos. Um, like mm. I like taking photos. I'm not a huge fan of editing. I don't really post them out places, but I like the mm. act of, of taking them. Right. Yeah. Well, in, in to, to that effect also, I, just because again, I was, you know, it, it's technology is influencing me at the same time, kind of back and forth. And so I get this mirrorless camera. I go out and take photos. Um, in 2019, uh, my wife and I, uh, for our uh, for our five year wedding anniversary, we uh, took a trip to Europe. Uh, which you know, it's weird to think about international travel in today's world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I was, you know, I was, I was kind of torn because it's like I had never been to Europe. And, you know, like, I don't know if I'll ever go back to Europe, you know. And so I was thinking, oh, I should take my camera. I should really do that. But the whole point of the trip was to spend time with my wife. Right. And so, like, am I going to be taking, you know, a thousand photos a day or, you know, or am I going to spend, you know, spend quality time with somebody I care about? And so the thing that I... uh, ended up doing was I brought, I did bring, you know, my cell phone, uh, which I took some video clips with that, but then I brought, uh, I brought an old film camera and I have it around here somewhere, but it's a, it's an Argus A2B, which is Mm -hmm. a camera from the forties. And it's a little one. Um, and they're, they're kind of garbage. They're, uh, they were really, really cheap. So everybody had one. Uh, but it also means you can get, you can get them pretty easy. Uh, but I, I brought that and like, I think it was eight rolls of film and we were there for eight days. And so it was just like, the idea was I would take one roll of film every day. And so for me, that was that slowing down was perfect because then I could actually, you know, instead of just like 
categorizing it, I could actually spend the time there. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. See, I think maybe, maybe the digital equivalent of that is next time you just bring like a two gigabyte SD card. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. There you go. Huh. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that there's a lot, a lot to be said for back to the gear side for, for the tool that you use kind of in, influencing the, not just the photos, but how you, how you mm. approach it. Um, yeah. Well, and, there's kind of yeah. a, sorry, there, there's kind of a, a good segue into more street photography as a concept with that too, because like part of what allowed street photography to initially like stem out was the ability to have these like more portable film cameras that you could kind of like sneakily be taking pictures on yes. uh, buses mm-hmm. or whatever. And then actually I wanted to, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Cause you've talked to me about it a bit Kip. And so yeah. just bringing it up potentially, but um, in, in now uh, street photography is something that literally anyone can do because of the, because uh, of the, the, uh, the uh, uh, iPhones, everyone having yeah. like phones with these like actually really high quality cameras, all things right. considered. Um, and you mentioned that you started taking a lot more pictures with phones. Um, and I, I remember you talking a lot about that because that's what got me to start paying more attention to the photos that I would take and just put on Instagram. Uh, because, yes. you know, when we were living together, you were kind of pointing out that like, um, you know, that, that can be a form of art, even if it's just, you know, a photo of whatever, um, mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so what what do you think is kind of what, how has um, taking pictures with your phone affected you? I guess. Uh, I, I, uh, I think the thing, and this is kind of it, digital in general, um, and it, it, it's a scale, but kind of film the the idea that I have in my mind uh, kind of uses an analogy to to painting because uh, I've done a little yeah. bit of drawing, a little bit of painting. Uh, and I, I think film is kind of more like oil paint. You know, it's 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 more difficult to work with. You have to know exactly what you're doing. It's harder to kind of fix your mistakes. Yeah. And um, it's more expensive. Um, with digital photography, I think it's more like watercolor. It's more these like kind of quick ideas. Um, yeah. And obviously, yeah. you can use you can use any medium truly. Like you you can use any camera to get really high quality images. You really, really can. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, uh, with the more recent, you know, uh, cell phone photos that I've done, uh, I think it is more like, I just want to kind of have this little snap, uh, kind of quick watercolor. And so I focus less on, mm. you know, I, I, I don't know. Cause they, they, they have less, you know, like the sensor is smaller, the, the lens is wider. You need to be closer to do these things. But in being closer, you know, you also, I don't know. I, again, I, I rarely look through the viewfinder. It's usually shooting from the hip. And so uh, right. often, you know, I'll miss the shot sometimes, you know, and, mm. but I, I kind of like that. It, it's exciting to me again, because I can just, you know, like wonder like, oh, did I get the shot? And then I can check it later. Cause yeah. kind of goes you know, back to the film yeah. thing. Right. Yes. Cause it, and it, it gets to, I get to replicate that because Sometimes, you know, like, you know, like when I'm, you know, when I'm carrying mail or whatever, I might want to try to take a picture of a dog that wants to, you know, rip my insides out. But I'm also trying to move to the next house and I don't necessarily <laughs> want to stop and look at like, oh, did I get the cool picture of the dog or whatever? Right. Yeah. Um, 
but then I, yeah, I can get back to the truck and I can look and be like, Oh yeah, I, you know, I, I got the shot of it, you know? Um, yeah. So I guess yeah. it, it does get to kind of replicate that, that, uh, delayed gratification that comes with some photography. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so the the connecting back to the show that I had, people were really interested in like the concept that I didn't have permission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would, and I, when I'm taking these photographs, I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to take a picture that's like aesthetically pleasing. You know, I, I just want to show off Des Moines in you know kind of a positive light. You know, like I, I'm not, you know, I, I I want people to have good feelings about Des Moines, but at the same time, like if I see cops being dumb, like then, you know, I also want to photograph that. Right. Um, Which is, you know, I, and that was a whole nother thing with the the protests where, you know, I wanted to document that kind of thing, but at the same time you run into the problem where, you know, if you photograph protesters, then, you know, cops can use that to find people. And so I have a ton of photos that I can't ever share because you know it's it, it's it has people's identities on there, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, but the the thing that I people are like, oh, I feel really weird about you taking a photograph of Quick Trip, and there's some somebody dancing outside of a Quick Trip, and they they feel uncomfortable about that. The the viewer of the photo feels uncomfortable. And, Interesting. And for me, because you know, I took the photo. I don't feel uncomfortable about it. I, w- I felt comfortable enough to put it on a wall with my name right. on it, you know, that I, I don't think that, and I, it helps because I don't know if that, you know, they don't necessarily understand my personal rules in terms of like what I think is appropriate to photograph. Mm-hmm. And how could, you know, how can I describe that to every person that will ever look at my photos? You know, it's a fool's errand. Right. Um, and so like uh, early on, uh, two of my rules were um, I only photographed uh, people that were kind of uh, in motion, uh, like mm. going somewhere. So mm. if it was somebody that was houseless, just, you know, sitting on the street, that's not interesting to me because like, that's their, that's essentially like private life. Like, yeah, mm. you know, that's, that's where they are and they have nowhere else to go. Um, whereas if someone is like walking to work or whatever, you know, like there isn't that, that dialogue, like they're, they're going to do something, whether or not they're houseless or, you know, or not like, um, so that's, that's like a rule that I kind of like would keep on myself. The other one was I never really photographed near schools because I, I never Mm -hmm. wanted to get into that thing of like, oh, there's a camera near kids or whatever. Right. And, and the the edgy thing that I kind of get to is when people bring that up, they, they, they're kind of insinuating that the photography aspect is the problem in terms of like people being like people mistreating like children. Right. Yeah. So like, it's like, 
like mistreating the children like that they're like oh but like you took a photograph it's like no like that's not the photo the photography is not the issue here like the right it's what's done with the photography people people are mistreating you know humans like yeah that's like the photography is like obviously a vehicle of that but um it's not inherently bad by itself right and so like any means you know it's like i don't want that photography to exist absolutely i do not but like but and that kind of brings me to the the thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was photographs that I won't ever share, and that was mm-hmm. I've I've taken photographs at uh, my family members' uh, funerals, mm. and um, and I'm, I'm not interested in sharing those with anybody. But at the same time, I'm a photographer, right? I right. I capture everything, and right. if this is part of my story, right? You know, if it's my grandfather's funeral, why can't I? share something you know like why can't i capture a bit of my story like why why is that stoppered from me you know Hmm. and And go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say and i mean it's uh, there there's something i think important and profound about about documenting these moments and especially through photography Mm -hmm. because you know especially a funeral even when Mm -hmm. when somebody has come and they've gone you know the the moment of their funeral it will come and it will go and hmm. you you will only have what you take from it right and if right. you if you take photos then you have that and if you don't then it's gone um and that moment yeah. never comes again and right. so i think that i think that that you know goes uh, across photography of course it's it's documentation it's journalism and it's art and yeah. Being able and being being the person to take those photos and to document the journey is it, it's an important role to have. We need that. Mm. Uh, just like as people as a society. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of that's kind of when people asked me at my show, like, you know, do you feel comfortable taking these photographs? And it's like it's <laughs> it's like I have a like I've thought about like I have resolve in terms of taking these photographs. And so yeah, I feel way more nervous about like taking a photo from the hip of like, you know, like my grandmother crying, you know, at my grandfather's funeral than I do about some random person on the street, you know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, but, but I, mm. you know, but like, and I think people, there's this inherent thing where if you take a photograph that you have to share it. Mm. Right. That's the, that's the Instagram. Right. That's actually another, and I, hmm. total offshoot, we can like put a pin in, in this thing, talk, talk about it a little later, but I think that there's a conversation to be had about, uh, um, about how it, like social media and Instagram has fundamentally changed yeah. how people perceive and consume and mm-hmm. create photography, but mm-hmm. that's, that's a sidebar. Um, I don't, yeah. don't want to pull from, from where we're at now. No, I think we'll definitely hit that soon here. Um, I this this whole ethics with photography thing is making me think of um, uh, so so Joel Meyerowitz has this um, pho- photography book Aftermath. Uh, are you familiar with that one, Kip, or have you seen it? It's his nine uh, eleven yes. photography. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, so the like story behind that um, for those who aren't familiar. Um, he, you know, uh, Joel Meyerowitz is like one of the kind of like legends of street photography um, of like, you know, especially in the turn to color uh, photography. Um, and as after 9-11 happened, he felt it was important to capture 
um, the aftermath. So it wasn't photos of 9-11 happening. It was photos of like the week afterwards. And mm-hmm. up until up until like the cleanup effort had been done, which is like, he, you know, he dates the photos. It's like we always forget it was like a year or two um, of cleanup that was necessary. Yeah. Anyway, he was um, nonstop getting kicked out of it because, um, you know, a lot of the government officials were very, very displeased with some dumbass with a camera feeling it important to come in and take a picture of, um, you know, the the biggest American tragedy of the century, it right. seems. Um, yeah. And that's like an iffy ethical question, because like part of the reason he was even able to get those press credentials was if I if I remember this correctly. Um, he had connections with like the New York like Museum of Modern Art, and so he basically pulled a bunch of uh, rich person strings to finally get the credentials, so that like got to do what you got to do. Yeah. do, yeah, and so that they would not, uh, so that they could not argue with him being there. Um, but it was like it was a whole, you know, there's there's a lot to be said of is there something sacred about those kinds of moments is is there something sacred yeah. about like holocaust camps taking photos of that like right. is, is that inappropriate and i don't know yeah. i i go back and forth on it i mean i own aftermath it's a really um haunting book but i do have an if like sometimes like the question of like do i do i have the right to be looking at these photos right i don't know i i mean that for me personally like that's not a question in my mind i i i see photography i see that as one of the most important forms of photography um one of one of the best classes that i took in college probably possibly the best class i took in college uh was a course i did on conflict photography and um you know it covered a lot of people who went into war zones you know from the civil war to world war ii to vietnam and iraq um and they chronicled what was happening and there, you know, the the moral conundrum that that they often faced was, you know, I'm taking photos, but I'm not helping. Or, you know, yes. where where does the journalism stop and the being a human begin? And that line was different for different people. And I think hmm. that some people tend tend to say that you know you're a monster if you choose journalism above um, humanity, right? But yeah. I. I disagree with that because I, I I think that this that conflict journalism and finding and recording you know the most vulnerable and the most heinous of um, of moments of human history is mm-hmm. one of the most important things that a photographer or many people can do because that's that's how we hear about it that's how people right. remember uh, it that's yeah important yeah i i guess as as i think about that that's there's a pretty big aspect to that so like um uh the uh milai massacre um in vietnam which for whatever reason Mm -hmm. i find the need to bring up on this podcast way too often but um anyway the i think i mentioned this the photo history class i was talking about in a previous episode um because we we were talking about the milai massacre and we looked at Milai photography, um, and it definitely is some of the most horrible pictures I've, I've ever um, ever witnessed. But yeah, part of part of how um, there ended up being some 
resemblance, like some small justice that was able to come after Milai was because uh, the AP photojournalist there, he knew he couldn't stop the troops from opening fire on the Vietnamese, but he knew Mm -hmm. I can take a shit ton of photos. Um, And there's a lot of evidence now. Um, And so he, you know, he got that directly to the AP and it turned into a huge, you know, huge, huge deal. And maybe there's a sense to be said that like having taken those photos was the only thing to, uh, to, to get any sort of justice. But then, you know, but I I do think there is kind of a, I still go back and forth on like a a romantic, uh, like a um, uh, kind of a violent act to taking a photo of somebody who doesn't want a photo taken of them or while they're in their most vulnerable moment. So I I don't know. I I go back and forth on this like a lot. I I think that uh, to that effect, there is a there is a connection. I think that uh, how your relationship to the subject I think is important. So, like in Meyer, yeah. Meyerowitz's case, I don't know if he's a New Yorker or whatever, but like taking photographs of that area and like caring about New York City, like there's a connection there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you or like in you know ma- you know I'm I'm making an excuse for myself, but like I'm from Des Moines, like this is this is where I'm from. And so, like, hmm. I'm trying to tell that story. There, uh, when you get the wartime stuff, uh, it's a little difficult just because of American imperialism, where you know, like, maybe those people shouldn't be there to photograph stuff, but also the American hmm. military shouldn't should also not be there. So we have to, you know, have that secondary conversation. Because um, I think there was one photograph, and I'm not going to be able to remember the guy's name. Um, yeah. Uh, but it was like it was a photograph of a, a child in Africa, and, and there was like vultures in the background. And mm. he got he got um, I'll need to look it up later. But uh, mm. he got like a Pulitzer for it, or not a Pulitzer. He got some stupid huge award. It was the photograph that he was most famous for, and uh, he he hated that because it's like yeah, you know, after he took the photo, like you know he either went over to the kid or didn't go over to the kid, but like he hated that that was the most thing, the thing that he got known for. And I, I don't want to spread misinformation, but I, I I think he committed suicide because it was like, he's like, this isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't what I want, you know, like, Hmm. but at the same time, you know, that photograph got a lot of things going in the nineties with, uh, you know, just a lot of different efforts that they had with raising money in it for Africa. And right. Yeah. But it is a tenuous relationship, yeah. It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's the whole, like, I mean, not to get into, like, it's kind of the pedantic postmodern conversation, but, like, um, with when it comes to, like, uh, photography with, like, the during the yellow journalism era, when they're trying to expose, um, like, factory conditions. Um, yes. They're, you know, this is, like, notorious for a lot of those photos being faked. Um, but they also brought a lot of good. And so that's, that's kind of like, um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of interesting questions around that or like, um, uh, Edward S. Curtis, um, photo of native Americans, how that, that they, they helped raise awareness for, um, the, the disappearing tribes. Um, on the other hand, part of the reason that we assume that all native Americans, uh, wear headdresses is because, Curtis made them wear their headdresses in the photos. And so like, I don't know. It's um, (laughs) it's something interesting to that. I don't know. I I think that there's a fair response to a lot of these where, you know, what's the Mm. alternative. Right. And I think that when we're talking, 
Well, specifically, like, when we're talking, you know, to, to pull back to, like, the, you know, American imperialism where it's not, you know, it's not great that we're out there and it's not great that we're taking photos, but in mm. some ways it's often better that we're taking photos when right. we're out to, there to rather than just being out there. there. Right. And yeah. I, I well, think that there there needs to be a clear line in the sand here, like what is photojournalism and what is marketing, right? That's um, true. Yeah. Marketing yeah. is marketing and propaganda are separate from photojournalism. And photojournalism, I believe, regardless of the situation, um, is important. I think it is, although there's always going to be some sort of bias to photojournalism, I think, too. But There's always um, going to be a bias to journalism, period. To, to any, yeah, any, any, I yeah. mean, there, <laughs> there's no getting past that. No, there, there's no getting past that. But, I mean, yeah, there's there's something to be said about that. Like, part of the reason that we, uh, we remember Vietnam as, like, the worst war ever, um, but mm-hmm. we don't think of Korea or really most wars before that in the same way is because Vietnam is the first war... Uh, that the AP was allowed to have photojournalists on the ground. Part of that's just because the uh, photo technology had gotten to a point that they were able to take like fast moving pictures um, and get into like the chaos in a way that like uh, before that it was just, you know, there's a handful of really famous photos from like world war two, but they're, they're really lucky that those photos even got taken. Um, Mm Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, so there is something to be said yeah. that, yeah, like once the AP can do honest journalism, that, that plays a pretty, or the photojournalism was able to be like more, um, was able to expose war crimes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't photography I've, so much fun? It's it so is. fun. I, I love photography. I, I've been trying to find a way to work this <laughs> in, even though it, I don't have anything to add to it, but there's a, uh, there's a photographer from the nineties from Des Moines, who's a, who's a, a photojournalist, and he wrote a book that I just found at a thrift store at one point uh, called God Let Us Alone, or God Left Us Alone Here. And what? it's, um, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of this. Actually, I, yeah, I actually fumbled on, across it when I was living with you. Um, I'll, I'll have to, like, let you borrow it. It's it's okay, yeah. just this, like, it's just this, like, photo book, and it's, um, it's his poetry mixed with war photography that he took while he was working at the AP. Um, by uh, wow. John Gaps the Third is his name. Um, okay, but oh man, it's it's haunting because it's we don't think of the '90s as uh, as violent as it is. But he was right. in Kosovo, he was in uh, Somalia, and um, a lot of the Israeli-Palestine conflict. He was taking photos of. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty heavy, but it's it's really good when spursed with his uh, poetry about war. Uh, it's very good. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, photojournalism is is still i think pretty high up on the list of things that i want to do when i grow up yeah i would I, well, i'd like to do journalism even though i didn't go to school for it so that's cool <laughs> yeah you don't, you don't need to go to school for it yeah that's true I, i'll wing it journalism is less and less of a career anymore though so yeah be that's that. true yeah i know well and there there's a there's a particular uh there's another story in terms of you know if we're talking about journalism it is the chicago tribune and then the Chicago mm. Sun Times, and there was a period of time uh, right before the Cubs won the World Series, yeah, um, that uh, one of the publications fired all their photographers and just had the reporters take photos with their cell phones or whatever. Yep. And they mm. had a side by side of when the Cubs won the World Series, 
and the 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 publication that kept their photographers the photo they got was incredible like it fit all the emotion of you know not winning a world series for 100 years and the other one was like yeah they, they were there like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah if you look at um if you look at some like job postings for reporters and journalists you'll see in in the you know required skill set you've got can take photography knows how to manage wordpress can edit and shoot mm. videos and so on it like yeah. what it's become yeah. is just very very sad the, well, and photo- photography and video work are so different in terms of what you need oh, to do yeah. and because I have some, mm. I have some experience with film work and or with video work, and just they're just vastly different, and it, it, people think that they're not. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, that for sure. Like I've I've done both, like professionally for a stretch, and mm. the, the being in those roles where you're one of the only people in those roles in in an organization is mm. yeah. terrible because everybody assumes <laughs> everybody's a. You know, everybody's a photographer, everybody's a videographer, right. everybody's a designer. Mm. Right, right. No, but uh, on to your point that like photojournalism is is growing as like a more and more important um, like field. It's like a bigger field. Um, I, I was really struck with that going back to BLM. Um, like it something that I think a lot of the times when you look at uh, like photos of um of like protests or riots or whatever is you um, are seeing it from the perspective of the photographer. And so one thing that gets left out of that photograph is, is the photographer. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like one thing I was really struck by, and I've started to pay a lot more attention to is um, how much uh, photographers are part of the anatomy of a riot. Um, Yes. Like, yeah. And so like when I was doing like doing like going to BLM protests, I tried to avoid taking many pictures of protesters. But what I started to do instead was take pictures of um, the photographers from the Des Moines Register, because I I found it really interesting. You you don't think of them being there. Um, Right. But it's it's got such a different feel when you're aware of that because like one thing i i felt when i'm in the protest with a photographer running up the street with us constantly was oh the world's watching me right now um yes. and that's like r- rather than you know oh we're just we're just going to go piss off the police um mm-hmm. and i i think that's just like fascinating i don't really know where to go with that but it's it's something i've been thinking about for about a year no and i i i, I thought a lot about photographing at that period and if if we're going to talk about tying in a a previous point in terms of camera gear um right at the beginning of quarantine my mirrorless camera actually broke yeah and so um for a period of time i didn't have like a main camera and so actually at that point i I started doing more drawings i tried to keep working kind of keep working on my eye uh but Mm -hmm. when i went to those protests all i had was like a a little cannon like point and shoot just like a little crappy yeah you know that that everybody had in 2008 you know kind of thing and yeah. um i brought it with um but like you know the photos aren't very you know they're, they're not very good in general but at the same time you know we had the conversation about who's there what's not there yeah and i remember going to kind of that first one that was right outside the you know the police station 
and it was had it probably had the it definitely had the most people. Um, they tried to kind of end it on this kind of like warm note of like yes, let's keep yes. fighting. And uh, mm. I remember because you you guys actually ended up going home, and yeah. I stayed a little bit longer, and you know. <laughs> Tempers just started to kind of rise, and well, I actually ended up. I, I called you, and I was like, "You got to get back here." Well, yeah, because we, um, me and my my buddy, had come with uh, medical gear um, in case uh, like something broke out, because we um, yeah. had watched what had happened in Minneapolis, and so there was like the first protest in Des Moines, and yeah, like you said, it ended on this peaceful note, and then me and my friend left, and we were probably five minutes out of town, and then Kip uh, calls me and goes, "You have to get back. They just rushed the cops." <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, yeah and so that was kind of a different you know that was a different moment then where um i you know i i i was there i, I stayed as long as i you know could mm. and it just kind of stru- struck stuck with me stuck with me stuck with me and you know that things would kind of keep popping up day after you know day after day and then i can't remember exactly how many days passed but it's only like two or three but there was a kind of similar uh protest that was up by Merle Hay Mall and mm. I drove up there and that one was um, much more young people and uh, the emotion was much higher and that one um, I did I did get tear gassed um, but that mm. photographing that one versus photographing the one at the beginning you know yeah. again I've, I've never shared images of this stuff you know like because again I, I don't necessarily think it's appropriate in this year, like maybe we can use it in a textbook, you know, years later or whatever, that kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, but photographing the difference between that was, um, there was, it felt Mm. way more, uh, which again, I'm, I'm connecting it to another thing was the previous year when we went to Europe, Mm. my wife and I, um, we went to Barcelona and we actually ended up having to cut the trip short because, they were having, there was some political unrest there and there, there were riots there. There were protests. I saw cars on fire. You know, I saw police with AKs kind of stuff. And I remember thinking in 2019, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like how far away from home am I? Like, this is, this is, this is crazy, you know? And then a year later, I see the same thing happening outside the shopping mall I went to as a kid and just realizing like, you know, through a personal experience, but then also through photographing, it's like these things can and do happen everywhere. And we're often very lucky, especially like, you know, as a, as a white person, I'm much more lucky uh, than, you know, a lot of Americans, but just seeing that happen, I I don't know, my resolve kind of turned back in the summer where it was like, you know what, like if, if there are, if the powers that be are that sure of themselves that they're going to like, throw tear gas and rubber bullets at kids then you know i'm gonna take all the photos i want (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i also take pictures of like flowers and stuff but you know like (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's hard to talk about art um in any different way you know it's hard to talk about Mm -hmm. that kind of rococo thing of like people on you know french movement where people are on swings and pretty dresses and you know <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. when all this like turmoil is happening you know it's it's hard yeah. to talk about anything else yeah 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 well yeah what, what i'm thinking of like um 
Oh fuck! I think it was Adorno after after Auschwitz saying that like um, to to write to write poetry about Auschwitz would be a disservice. Um, and it kind of I kind of think of that where like um, uh, when when we kind of get to these like really heavy moments, like yes, there's an art to it, but it like it kind of loses the like oh take pretty photos kind of thing, and it, it becomes right. this like it's like no, I mean you can't. Can can you write something beautiful about this? I don't know. You know, like right, yeah. But guys, I I don't understand. Biden's president now. Nothing. Yeah. So everything's fixed. good. Everything's good. There's oh, nothing I wrong for, anymore. I forgot. We did it. I forgot. Well, I'm I'm going. I'm going to start taking pictures of flowers tomorrow. Yeah, you we should. can go back to everything is good again. Brunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, indoor uh, seating in Illinois is once more once again open. So, oh, cool! I didn't cross the, the border. You guys don't do have the you don't have the virus there. That's pretty cool. That's really right. Yeah, cool. no, you we're, we're virus that. free. It's good. It can't it can't cross the Mississippi. No, it can't. Yeah. It can't. So we're good. Honestly, uh. it's. it's... <laughs> Yeah. Unless you're in um, Chicago, in which case uh, you still can't eat inside because <laughs> you suck, and Chicago sucks. <laughs> uh, I think we're I think we're moving toward the end of the content section. So, uh, Kip, what's uh, what's your favorite photographer? Let's do that. Let's do a little bit of history, but not a lot. I don't want to get into okay. it too much um, now. Yeah. Let's let's think here. Uh, I'm trying to think if I should say current photographers or if I should say. Ooh, do uh, do favorite current photographer and then favorite historical like street photographer. Um, I mean, I would be kind of remiss to not uh, mention Daniel Arnold. Uh, mm. he, he's a photographer in New York, um, and I think he he kind of walks that line of. Uh, you know, because his photographs are incredible, and he like he, he does film photography, and he just kind of knows how to find the characters, yeah, uh, yeah, that that are out there. But then I I notice also because I follow his Instagram, I also notice that he'll post the stories, and he'll post something kind of snarky about how like, you know, like oh take this like I don't know again kind of referencing the pretentiousness of it all, and then he'll like delete it like a minute later or something, you know, because. Yeah. He's got hundreds, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, but like it kind of gives me hope that even someone as you know successful as him is also still having the same kinds of questions mm. that I have about photography. Um, yeah, yeah. So I would say, yeah, him. There's another uh, guy from Japan named uh, Ulysses Aoki. Um, oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen that. Yeah, he's a he's a younger guy. Uh, a lot of his stuff is kind of. Uh, the I don't know, light is kind of harsher and he does some really cool kind of uh, abstract things with urban environments mm. um, that I that I really enjoy. Um, I I saved a quote from a photographer and of course I will not be able to remember it. <laughs> um, where's the quote? Sorry. No, uh, you're good. You're good. Um, no, the Elliot Erwitt was uh when talking about uh the pretentiousness or whatever uh mm. I, I have a book of like interviews with a couple of different photographers and elliot Erwitt is this uh american french photographer and uh he it, one of the questions that i saved was uh that he said like what some of the interviewer said what's the biggest mistake a photographer can make and Erwitt said mm. uh, uh i confess uh that i have a very narrow view of things 
and that uh, most photographers are uh, really pompous and very serious. And I, <laughs> and, and, and I totally fall, I like, I definitely fall into that category. I take my photography way too seriously, but yeah. I, I like being reminded that mm-hmm. like, sometimes it's okay to just like, like sometimes I've literally taken pictures of trash. It's just like, yeah. like there's a, like, um, and especially when I'm doing like the kind of mail carrying uh, thing where, you know, I'm not going to take photographs of people, but like I'll walk past an empty lot and there'll be a trash bag that's full of like JavaScript books. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why is this here? Yeah, like, who, that's fascinating. You know, that, that, that kind of thing. And it's like, you know, I, I need to keep doing my job. So I'm not going to stop and like try to frame it perfectly. I'm just going to, yeah. I'm going to take the photo. I'm going to keep moving. Hmm. But it just feels yeah, like, I, you know, somebody needs to take that photograph. I, I really hate that, uh, that serious and pretentious have been kind of seen as synonyms. Oh, okay. I, yeah. That's I, I think point. that there's, there's a real difference. And, and I don't think that taking photography seriously is pretentious. There, there is certainly pretentious. And, but I see that as more of, you know, it's the difference between arrogance and confidence, right? Um, hmm. An unearned seriousness or a, uh, an exaggerated or ridiculous seriousness mm-hmm. that that is beyond um, you know beyond reason. But but to be serious about photography is important, and I think especially now when you know everything's covered in like five or six layers of irony, um, mm. and nobody can be serious about anything. It's more important now than ever to to take your your hobbies your passions and allow yourself to be to be serious and not feel bad mm-hmm. about being a little pretentious about it yeah yeah hmm. it's okay to like things yeah it it's is okay, okay to, to like, like things. things it's it's hard Can't to you imagine just let people like things <laughs> <laughs> just let people uh, enjoy things josiah <laughs> um one other photographer <laughs> One other photographer that I do like, uh, and I am going to butcher his name, but he's Japanese, uh, and his name's uh, Daido Moriyama, and mm. very, very, yeah, just con. They're very contrasty photos, um, but mm. there's something about Tokyo and just Tokyo and just photographing like in in Japan's like more urban centers that I really mm. enjoy because um, it's like New York in that it's crammed but uh i feel like just the japanese way of life uh people kind of make a point to not look like eye contact's not as big of a thing there and Mm. the thing can probably be still be true in new york but um i don't know just the the photographs that come out of there are come out of japan are really inspiring to me Uh, yeah so so, yeah yeah Hmm. Uh, okay. What about, uh, what about historical photographer? Let's do that. And then we can, uh, maybe move on like favorite, yes. like 60s, 70s or whatever. Um, let me, you talk, you talk for a sec. You talk about one and then okay. I'm going to, I'll find the book. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Well, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think it's like, it's cheating to say like Robert Frank, who is kind of like the birth of this style of, uh, photography, or uh, Cartier-Bresson um, are like the kind of cheap answers. Um, I it's not, discovered it's not cheating. It, it kind of feels like cheating. I uh, <laughs> I was always uh, I was I've always been a fan of, despite his sexism, uh, Gary Winogrand. Um, oh, I, I like yeah, him a lot. Yeah. 
um he's got just some some cool pictures his he um was she's just a very compulsive and irritated person and so he um from from interviews with him i've read he he would teach himself to take pictures when he was like annoyed um and so a lot of his photos kind of reflect that where it's just people are always making weird facial expressions and stuff in them and you could tell it was like he just hated that look so much that he would take the picture then and it it has a very weird feel to it um hmm. so i like i like gary winogrand and then more and more i've grown to really like the guy um this guy william klein um from i think around the same time he might be a, he might be more 50s um gotcha. yeah he's got this book uh life is good and good for you in new york and um basically his whole his whole gist was to kind of like show like he he wanted to basically abuse the camera and so he would take pictures mid zooming um and stuff like that and he also wanted to reflect like his violent upbringing in new york um so he was like really the kind of in your face thing you're talking about where like a lot of street photographers will just get someone walking but he would um like get in someone's face and be like hey asshole and then take the picture when that person like just glared at him and so yes. everybody's just kind of like glowering at you in all his photos. <laughs> um, and I, I just love the feel of it. Actually, my uh, my my profile picture on um, Twitter with the t- with the kid holding the oh, gun okay. into yeah. the camera. Yes. That's 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 a William Klein photo. Hmm. Uh, uh, anyway, that's that's who I like. Nice. I would say the, the one that comes most to mind and I, I feel, uh, uh, of course, I don't have enough time to like, you know, talk about all the photographers, but I think the one that I'm drawn mm-hmm. to the most with, with my photography is Harry Callahan. Callahan. Um, mm. And he, he photographed a lot in Chicago and he, he does some kind of non-representational work. He does some kind of double yeah, exposure yeah. stuff, but a lot of his photos are street photos of people from really, really far away. But then mm-hmm. he would zoom in really far and take the, like two people would be walking towards each other and he would take the photograph right as they were like, coming together so it looks like it looks like it's a portrait of two people but they don't know you know they have no idea who they are they they have no connection Hmm. so yeah i've got to see i've got to see his work a couple times and uh i've always been really drawn towards it yeah yeah that's Hmm. fascinating uh i don't know jared do you have a specific photographer that you are interested in well, I, I don't really know street photographers, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's fine. I, I got my interest in photography through fashion photography. Mm. And, oh, interesting. Uh, the, specifically the intersection of fashion photography and like heavy digital manipulation. So uh, mm. Miss Anelia was actually the, uh, the photographer that, that got me interested in photography in general. Um, mm. And then uh, Eric Johansson is the other the other one that i like a lot who's who who's almost strictly uh photo manipulation but i'm not i'm not good about names so i don't really know i I don't know many photographers beyond uh beyond just a just a few that i follow pretty closely but yeah um i i will give uh miss anelia a shout out because i think that her work is really incredible the the fact that you mentioned fashion photography uh it actually reminded me of a photographer that i really enjoy um, mm-hmm. that I found out from a documentary and his name's Bill Cunningham mm. and he used to do that sounds familiar. Yeah. He used to do the fashion photography. I, I don't know. Maybe he still does it, but I actually don't know if he, I don't know if he's alive. 
Um, it looks like he died in 2016. Okay, so okay, he's passed. Okay, um, but he would do. He would go out and he would just photograph every day, all day, and that was like that was his life. And yeah. there's a documentary on him that's incredible. You really need to really need to watch it. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that I, sounds awesome. And I I liked uh, I kind of connected with him because he would go. He would be looking for what was out there, so he would like look for oh, people are wearing stripes. So then I want to go mm. and photograph. And it wasn't like I'm going to go out and photograph stripes. He had to notice that people were wearing stripes. Right. And so mm. and so that was his weekly column was like, what are people wearing this week? What are people wearing this month? Um, yeah. And I I kind of tried to I noticed a parallel in my work because that's something that I liked to do where it was. I, I noticed that I, I like to go photograph downtown versus like going out in the neighborhoods. Um, but I was yeah, just like, yeah. who's out? Like, what, what do people, what are people doing? Obviously I wasn't focused mm-hmm. on clothing as much, but I would generally drive to the places where there were people. Yeah. 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 For my, uh, I'm, I'm going to do the, I'm going to entirely cheat for my, for my historical photographer, but oh, I've been yeah. doing a lot of, uh, I've been doing a lot of reading on Yosemite right, oh, lately, uh, and so I'd be remiss if I didn't say Ansel Adams, of course. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you, you said Yosemite, and I do exactly what I was going. No, Ansel Adams yeah. is amazing. He's amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and if you if you want to talk about, obviously, it's all jokes. It's all jokes all the way up, all the way down. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> If you want to talk about technology, I think that's he, he's a really interesting one to talk about. Yeah, because yeah. you know the the cameras that he's using, you know, were these enormous large format cameras, and yeah. they were part of like the they called themselves like the F sixty four club because the you know like the aperture setting that they had was so small it yep. went down to F sixty four, and the th- I had this moment where I when I when I learned that he didn't often carry his camera. Like he had a team of people to yeah. carry his gear that like, <laughs> I, like I'm not hating on Ian Adams. Like he had to exist for any, you know, like somebody right. like him was going to exist no matter what. Right. But it helped me kind of like uh, meter my thoughts on landscape photography. Cause it was like, there's a reason it looked perfect. You know, like he had the time to, to figure out the perfect day. He had, you know, right. He didn't, you know, I don't want to take away yeah. from his stuff, but it's important to note that stuff when you see those images. Yeah. Th- but but some... I, I, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to I'm going to push yeah. back here because I think that you're looking at this from a street photography angle when that's not what it is. And that's not what oh, landscape that's photography fair. That's is. That's fair. Um, and that's that's actually one thing I like. I landscape photography is probably my favorite form mm. of photography because there's so much planning involved. Um, because it's about finding the right day at the right time, um, using the right gear. And, you know, I, I brought my, I, I took my medium format camera, um, and tripod up, you know, like climbed 3000 feet up a mountain, uh, out in Washington mm-hmm. just to get a shot from the summit. And like that, that is what I love about photography is the work that goes into, in, the work that goes in before you click the shutter. Um, yeah. And, and so I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't agree with you there. 
I I have a I have a book recommendation for you, Jared. A photo book, uh-huh. but it is a pain in the ass to find. So, oh boy. Um, yeah, you can, can probably find a Kindle? cheap. No, uh, you can find <laughs> a cheap used copy. Um, but it's it, it like a new copy would go for like five hundred dollars. So, um, but yeah, but it's uh, Era of Exploration: The Rise of Landscape Photography in the American West um, by mm-hmm. Weston Nafe. Um, and so it's a collection of. The, ah, the only three hundred and fifty-seven dollars. Yeah, yeah the steal. birth, the the birth of landscape photography between eighteen sixty to eighteen eighty-five. So, like historically, what's going on there is um, the U.S. has um, taken over ownership of quite a lot of the West. Let's not get into the imperialism <laughs> stuff. Um, <laughs> but to to fi- they like we we often forget about like the the frontier of the West that like um, yeah. There was no, uh, like, like it was terrifying. It was this uninhabited <laughs> land that's just massive with mountains and it could kill you. And nobody really knew what was out there. So they kind of like inherited this, inherited uh, uh, this land that they didn't know was out there. So like the process after, um, after the U S ended up with, with a lot of the West was having to send out explorers to go and like, they would send out a geologist, somebody who could like, um, map the area and then a photographer. So those Mm -hmm. were like the big three people that would be out there, Mm -hmm. um, because they felt it was important to show like what the West looked like to the rest. And so they're really fascinating photos. Sorry. Good. I think it's also important to note that photography was, much less of an art form then, right? Yeah. It was more yeah. of a technical skill. I think uh, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. Even the the founder of Hasselblad, um, mm-hmm. he, he did not like the idea of photography as an art form and actively yeah. pushed back at it. Um, he was mm-hmm. all about documenting photos of birds. Mm-hmm. That, that was yeah. his whole thing. That's the, that's the, the tricky, uh, the, the interesting conversation about photography that we could probably talk for an hour about, but um, yeah, like, like to what extent is it documentary and to what extent is it art? Um, Cause it's well, always been, it's, a, it's always historically been intention though. Um, that's, that's interesting. Cause like, I think of the, the birth of like photography as a, as an art, maybe, maybe he's not the first to do it, but the kind of like movement toward that was Walker Evans. Um mm-hmm. Because like during the depression, you know, there was the the FSA kind of like sent out all these photographers um, to try to take kind of propaganda photos, um, and a handful of those photos photographers started to have artistic impulses. So you think of like uh, Dorothy Lang, mm-hmm. where the uh, famous migrant mother photo. Um, Walker Evans broke off from the FSA because. Uh, he f- didn't like working for the state and he was a socialist, God damn it. And so um, he he went on to like put out American photographs and that was like the first time that like photography was in the Museum of Modern Art. It was like an art form. Um, anyway, f- fun history facts. <laughs> anyway. Neat. That was, I didn't need to go on that, that long of a detour there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, I think we've kind of, we can move on to end segments, you think? Or? Yeah, I think just, I, th- I think that we've, we've come full circle because street mm. photography, I think is one of the forms that, that, uh, combines journalism and art very well. Yeah. 
And that that's Walker Evans doing because he was um, he was always firm that he was not a documentarian photographer, but he was not an artist either. He was a he was a, like an artist in the documentary style, is what he would say. <laughs> and like he what kind of punk. like birthed that like that like middle ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. terrific. <laughs> All right, uh, I think uh, yeah, I think we did it. We did I it, guys. Yeah. Mission accomplished. It's Bush right. and he's on the he's on the big boat. It's behind us. We walked the blocks we got through the first we got through the first quarter of the episode. And there were barricades to keep us off the street. But the crowd kept pushing forward. Till they swallowed the police Yeah, they went wild Yeah, they went wild Yeah, they went wild I wonder right now, I wonder how many photographs Yeah, they went wild And I wonder It's gotta be a lot I wonder, I wonder the percentage of them are screenshots <laughs> I uh I, I turned on this accessibility feature where you can double tap the back of your phone and it takes a screenshot. Oh, not nice. <laughs> not realizing how often I accidentally double tap the back of my phone. <laughs> and so I have like a million screenshots that are just accidentally did it and right. so now they're all I just do hanging that out same there. Thing. Yep. So I need to I need to turn off that feature. But I haven't had the time to go into settings. And accessibility. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Josiah, how many how many photographs are on your phone right now? Oh Jesus, where's my phone? I don't have my phone next to me. Yeah, there it is. I don't even know how you look that up. I was gonna say, like now I'm um, curious, but I think I think um, if I just say my album's called Recents, which is every oh, photo get- I think I've. You can go, go to general and about. Oh. We can go by about. gigabyte size. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it also says photos. Okay, here we go. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Uh, Jared, you first. 6,891. All right. I'll do 12,524. 13,042. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> and with the knowledge that my I don't ever delete photos and and Kip probably pretty actively moves them over to yeah so, <laughs> yeah that's like my total overall <laughs> yeah and here's the thing most of mine are just memes right. yeah that's that's also true. I have I thousands of, of memes saved on my phone uh, very rarely do I take photos hi welcome uh, to very legal very cool this is a big meme. Uh, corporation and <laughs> we've got we've got our president we do here. Memes here. <laughs> we uh, sell big well, memes. Well, we uh, we I think we're we're back here, so we uh, we should probably do Patreon. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do Patreon. What do you think, Kip? That sounds good to me. So so with right, our so Patreon. One thing... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One one little thing we like to do on this show is for every guest that we bring in, we like to have them run a Patreon ad for us. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, the best way you can tell people who are listening in why they should give us money on a reoccurring monthly basis. 
Hmm. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Very Legal, Very Cool. Uh, this is an advertisement for a podcast about two people talking in a room so that you don't feel lonely in the room that you are in by yourself because it's COVID <laughs> times and you should be staying home and you should be lonely. So instead, hang out with Josiah and Jared uh, every month uh, on the month and uh, that will help with depression. <laughs> It will help with <laughs> It will help give you more depression, yes. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's I was going to say big depression, but I <laughs> Very legal, yeah, very we're, cool we're... is sponsored by Big Depression. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like I don't like VLVC. I know they're in the pocket of Big Depression. <laughs> Big depression is just a it's just a scheme to sell more depression. I don't big depression just like it, I, I'm broken. I've got tears in my eyes. <laughs> oh, Jared, how did we discovered the new bit here? We just need to say put big in front of things more. Honestly, our our, our bit big depression probably, too. Yeah, I was gonna say the bigger bit, depression. Our bit for like a year now has just been adding two at the end of words that shouldn't be. <laughs> but now it's big, big. I think big's the next mm-hmm. year. This, it's the next big thing. <laughs> um, hey, uh, it, you guys, you got to check in, out uh, Photography 2. <laughs> <laughs> the return of photography. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> be, before we move on, we, we, we actually get to... Uh, Get to oh, talk about one of the segments. Not we do better than an email. Actually, far oh. better than an email. Um, let me check iTunes real quick. Or what's better than an email? I you'll I'll tell you. Just hold up, hold up. We've got great news. We've got really great news. Uh, we d- have not gotten any email. new uh, listen, or we haven't gotten any new reviews on Apple Podcasts. So come on, people, get at it. We have and not gotten any emails. News. So remember. You can send us emails, and Josiah will read them, no matter what slurs or how many slurs you put I, in. I've That's our guarantee. Um, Josiah will read them out loud on air, say it forever. But t- this week, we've got something super special to announce. We have a new Patreon subscriber oh, I at the ten dollar tier, <laughs> and so we're—I mean, this show but, is officially this, this is a big moment. Very legal, very cool is officially profitable. <laughs> we are no longer losing money. <laughs> we are no longer losing money making the show. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Katie Halligan, uh, for joining our Patreon. I don't know who that is. Um, yeah, I don't either. So we can't make fun of them on Twitter yet. Yeah. So Katie, uh, we'll, I'll, me- I'll send you a message on Patreon to try and get your uh, your Twitter handle, but send us your Twitter handle so we can, you know, rip you to pieces online as is the promise for our $10 Patreon tier. Um, but yeah, that's, that's exciting. That's great. That's cool. Thanks, um, Katie. Well, so yeah, thank you. We're going to buy drugs with it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, do, uh, I need to actually borrow some money. Do you guys have $20? <laughs> Ooh, well, that is ooh, a hey. perfect segue into our next segment. Um, remember, to submit for February's uh, charity. At Very Legal, Very Cool, we're starting a charity, and it is to help out 
fellas who are down bad. And so if you know a fella, if you got a fella in your life who's down bad, you let us know. And we're going to we're gonna pick another, uh, you know, January's fella who's down bad is Evan. Uh, I think he's still down pretty bad. I, I don't think I've actually even sent him the $5 yet. But... Um, <clears throat> But if there's a fella well, in your life I was gonna that's say, down it bad... Sounds like, it sounds like Kip just volunteered to be the February <laughs> fella who's down bad. So. And it sounds like we got a solid contender, but this is not that... You know, we'll announce it first episode of February, which this mm, is oh, not. Um, yeah. You, you so <laughs> if there's a fella in your life who's down bad, shoot us an email at hello at verylegalvery.cool and uh, let us know why that fella deserves five bucks and you know if if for whoever we pick we will send that fella five bucks no questions asked uh no follow-up no uh no 1099 or reporting it on your taxes or anything so uh so if you know a fella who's down bad you let us know and uh maybe they'll have five bucks in february one thing that's fun about this is we get to write it off on our taxes as a charity donation so perfect yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna register this podcast as a nonprofit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very legal, you, very cool. I mean, if you think about like five hundred one B, like a lot of those, uh, like those charities, like like Invisible Children and oh, like those ones, where like seventy percent of it goes to media production. Anyway, we're basically yes. a charity. <laughs> You know, you have to understand we're a charity, but we it's about awareness. We're not we're not doing anything. This yeah, is an awareness just, charity. We're we're yeah. bringing awareness, and that's all marketing. Yeah, of the course, our ad budget is everything. It's just the pro- marketing. The problem with Coney Twenty Twelve is they didn't try a podcast. That was that was really that's what was Josiah, wrong. Josiah, Josiah, you can't do. You, we're 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 at the end of the podcast. You can't bring up Coney Twenty Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Christ Almighty! <laughs> I don't know why this just popped in my head, but I forgot to mention, Jared. I got your Christmas present. Yay! Um, want to tell want to tell our listeners about it? Yeah, so I posted an, a picture of invi- it. It's an invisible children T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've got an idea for next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I want a Cody Tony's home shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it'd be kind of cool at this point. No, but it, it is a t-shirt. Here, I'll send it. It's um, it's terrible. It says, um, oh, it's not going to load up the picture. Damn. Uh, it says, ask me about my podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the, the reason I hate this so much is because it, it's, here, okay, there, it, there are the pictures loading it. up oh, now. Yeah, yeah it, it's like a normal kind of looking shirt. It's, it is the kind of shirt I would wear. Which means I will forget to do my laundry at some point, and I'll be a rush to get out of the house, and I will wear this at some point, because it's the only shirt I have or something, and some prick is going to ask me about my podcast, and I'm so mad about that. And it's the worst. All that I ask is that before you you tell that prick about your podcast, you pull out your phone and you hit record, and you share it with all of us. I will do that. I will do that. Ah, man. I'm going to be this really hurt if you mad. never wear this t-shirt, honestly. I, you know, I, if we ever have a live show, I'll wear it for that. And I hope frequently in your personal life. Yeah, that also. Wait, guys, sorry, we need to step back a little bit. 
Wait, what? I, uh, I messed up. Um, Katie What's... Halligan, she works with Nate. He got me in. She sent us a message on Patreon. Uh, so Katie says, I work with Nate and he got me into the pod. I'm happy to support and be roasted on Twitter at skim underscore dragons and also for being friends with Nate. Well, oh, that's already a, yeah, down. Yeah, that, down, that's down. embarrassing, first off. Skim but, underscore what? Yeah, skim underscore dragons. So you know she made that in middle school. All right, let's go. Uh, she likes dragons. hockey hockey and hockeys, which I, I think is fucked up. I found the wrong skim dragon, and this is a Chinese person. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, there is. <laughs> dragons plural yeah Dra- that, plural, that, other, plural. that other account is just a bunch of yeah a bunch of script and then just the word big bang <laughs> <laughs> let's see that's just a good political take so we're not gonna go on that one let's see here she tweeted right here my stepmother keeps asking me when are you getting married like ma'am there is a pandemic i'll go ahead and say i know two people that got married during the pandemic so that's that's not really an excuse i mean pandemic's only an issue if you're a coward (laughs) you can zoom a wedding (laughs) exactly oh man she's into the mountain goats i can't i can't talk shit about that that's embarrassing what (laughs) <laughs> Wait. I bet you watched a lot of YouTube when you were in high school. Okay. Hey, stop it. <laughs> oh, you watched the Vlog Brothers? Aren't you cool? <laughs> they were cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, see how that turned out. Uh, the best, the best roasting thing I've found is looking at people's likes, because man, people like some bad stuff. Like Ted Cruz. Oh yeah, that's that's true. Uh, she likes something that says, stop being mean to goalies. No. No. And... She She's liking a lot of Eve 6 tweets, and I, I have no reason to believe this, but I, I believe that's because of our podcast. I think we, we introduced her to Eve 6 is what I'm going to believe. Speaking of, I I would like to go back to the fact that she's friends with Nate. <laughs> Like that's I don't think a, that we've. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't think that's... that we've covered that that quite enough. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah, uh, I, Kip, I, do you? I don't know Nate. I don't think so. I'm gonna need. His I whole, don't either. His whole life story, really. Um, he's got Who's... red hair. His okay, name is Nate. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I got it. Okay, that's all. Yeah, cool. He's a fuck. <laughs> See, and that's that's the third. I, I knew you were going to say that. I, w- I could have written it down on an envelope, <laughs> put it to my forehead. <laughs> There's a lot of Eve Six tweets here. I bet she didn't even listen to Eve Six back in the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be fair, I bet she's how a many poser. of us did. But I, for one, did not. I listened to one. Song. I didn't even do that. She doesn't tweet very much, so that's you know she that's doesn't. that's that points. She's got twelve point two thousand likes though. Oh wow! So she spends a lot of time on Twitter, just doesn't do much with that time. Yeah, that's true. Well, we have a whole month to really, really get to the bottom of this stuff. Right. So our our first request uh, for skim driving dragons, Jacob, Jake, Jackbub Beans. Checkbook beans. Uh, our first request for her is uh, maybe post some more problematic stuff that we can uh, really rip into. <laughs> yeah, really. That'd be a big some, help. Post some racist stuff. Really. Yeah, we're looking for uh, 
We're looking for some pretty brutal stuff. Oh, well, she just I, liked our. She just yeah. Liked I was going to point that out. I was going to point yeah. this out. She just liked our our, our sexist tweet. So so that right. makes also her by yeah, extension. That she just liked the sexist thing that Josiah said. I did not say it. You um, said I said it, and I didn't. Say uh, it. Kip, did you know that just before you joined uh, on this recording, Josiah was talking about, and I quote, "How very legal, very cool needs more chicks and broads as guests." I did not say this. He said this. I, oh my gosh! Well, I did not say. Since, that. since it's verified that he did say it, uh, he did, did not say, say it. This. I'm, I, actually, I said. I said we should have more women on the show because I'm a feminist. That's why I said that. Oh, he's backpedaling. <laughs> I heard chicks and broads, and then I, oh, I don't want to repeat this. the rest. But I didn't ooh. say this. First of all, first of all, is it like the 1940s? Like I, that was like, do people still use the term broads? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Josiah does frequently <laughs> and unironically. Yeah, I, I'm like a character in Mad Men. <laughs> uh huh. I tell him to stay away from the flappers, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, well, well, I'm looking forward to um, to more. Uh, insults of of her Twitter um, and personality and general yeah being. all the things yeah um, yeah um, you guys don't like sports so it look it seems like you're, you're gonna have to read up on some sports to make fun of her too <coughs> yeah, I I will have thing. you know that I played <laughs> I played a season of beer league hockey I have I, I will I will have you know I'm that a hockey I did, player I did one. Uh, soccer practice as a kid, and I, I got kicked out of the team because I was chasing butterflies. But I, I, <laughs> we'll have I almost scored a goal once. <laughs> um, well, I think that uh, that brings us to our next segment, which is um, Twitter news. Still Twitter news. Well, do, do, but do, I cut do. out. I cut out the part where we didn't. We did Twitter news earlier. Why? I thought you wanted Josiah, me to cut that you... out. Jesus no, Christ. No, no, I... No. Why, why? Okay. Well, we're going to pretend like you guys didn't see this Matt Walls tweet. Cause that, uh, cause I... <laughs> but I did see the match. We've already had that discussion. Okay. Okay. The first... The first... I, I hate when mom and dad fight. I just I hate <laughs> it so much. Okay. The first tweet. Okay. Well, I edit out our first attempt at, at Twitter news. So you, Why don't you, you guys... edit around... I didn't want to, but if the more we talk about this, the more difficult it's going to be to edit this. <laughs> so we should keep talking. So first tweet comes from Matt Walsh. In a different timeline, we've already read this tweet, but we're going to pretend we haven't. And Matt Walsh says, I hope you the keep best, both in. The best thing conservatives can do to reclaim the culture is have a bunch of kids and homeschool them, which I thought was funny. Because I was homeschooled, and uh, I'm not conservative at all. Most of the most of the homeschoolers I knew got into hard drugs, so it's not going to work out very well. No, no, that doesn't mean they can't be conservative. That's actually true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first true thing we've said on the podcast thus far. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> thus far, being since July when we started. <laughs> Uh, second tweet coming at you is from uh, at Sasha Michelle eighty nine, and she says, "Oh, uh, I'll admit the Bernie memes are funny. These are the the Bernie sitting angrily at the inauguration memes. Mm-hmm. These memes are funny, but 
His openly grumpy disposition during a very historic moment for women, and particularly women of color, speaks volumes to me. So, so there you go. Hmm. An old, uh, yeah, I, I like that we we are mad at Bernie for just being kind of a grumpy old man, and I guess that's bad. Yeah, you can be mad at Bernie for all of the government's problems. Yeah, <laughs> Bernie <laughs> is true. is at fault for most things wrong in this world. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. true. Yeah, really, Biden Twitter was going nuts this morning, so that's where a lot of these are coming from. So another Biden thing Twitter from, is so upsetting. From at Silent Amuse, uh, repeat after me, and I, I'd like it if you guys repeated with me. Um, okay. <laughs> repeat after me. I am not smarter than Joe Biden. I'm not smarter than Joe Biden. I'm not smarter I'm not... than Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm not smarter than you. We'll do it in unison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I, okay. I was in shock quietly, but... Uh, I, I am not smarter than Kamala Harris. I am not, not smarter than Kamala Harris. I am not smarter than Nancy Pelosi. I, I am, am not, not smarter, smarter than, than Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi. <laughs> I am not smarter than James Carville. <laughs> I am, I am not, not smarter, smarter than, than James, James Carville. <laughs> but if I stand back. But if, but I, if stand I stand back. And watch and learn. And, and watch, watch and, and learn, learn. I will be smarter than I am. I, I will, will kill myself. <laughs> and liberty and justice for all. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a terrible tweet. <laughs> God, that is know, like like for sure. I'm smarter than Joe Biden. Like we can just like I know for a fact I'm smarter than Joe Biden. Just age alone, he's you know something's not working in there. Right, right. But even assuming that, I don't like the whole like like the idea intelligence and morality are like the same because like I'm aware people who run the government are smart. I just think they're also war criminals. I, I don't like that's right. not right. <laughs> I, don't, me, I, don't, I, I don't know. And me, I, I work for big photography and I want to know how many photos Joe Biden's <laughs> taken on his cell phone. Likely either too many or not enough. Both are problems. <laughs> yeah. Both are big problems. I I will say anything that starts with repeat after me. <laughs> it's never good. I've already checked out. I'm already angry. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, person on Twitter. I'm ten. I need to start posting it. more of those. <laughs> God. Well, it's like anything. It's like repeat after me, or um, what's the other one? Oh, gentle reminder, or anything that assumes something I have to know, and if I don't know, I'm a bad person. That all yeah, makes then me you upset. Get... Uh, I'm tweeting right now. Repeat after me. Very legal, very cool is a good podcast. We all know that's not true. See, that's what I'm saying. But that's what repeat after me. And then you have to think it's true. Right. But it makes me angry. And now uh, we, we go on to the next uh, tweet here. Um, yeah, this is this is moving away from the Biden verse. <laughs> uh, we got from Mr. Banks Tips. <laughs> The fourth rich. Oh, sorry. It's a picture of uh, Mark Zuckerberg looking like shit, um, and it says the fourth richest man on. You the could have planet. just said a picture of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth richest man on the planet. No blings. No fancy designers. Dot dot dot. Priorities. Um, I hate this. 
Um, I would like to uh, just real quick. Let's let's let you guys guess first. How much do you think that his plain gray T-shirt costs? I did see this already, so it's cheating for me to answer. Okay. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks like it costs ten dollars. Ten dollars. Yeah. It's. It in fact costs um, about three hundred and forty-five. Uh, his I... face. His face makes me want to retch in a way that I. I can't. I can't fully <laughs> comprehend. It's just so caustic and like I. <laughs> It's well, and the, the worst part it's, is it's not human. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, the worst it's part is back when he value. had like back when he let his hair grow out a bit and like had curly hair, he looked kind of human. Yes, this is a choice. <laughs> this is like a choice that he made to well, look so, wrong. Yeah. So this is this is the thing. Like I said this on Twitter, so you know I'm just repeating myself and my own jokes. But um, the thing that piss this pisses me off because I see these posts like this all the time where it's like, oh, look, this guy's really rich, but he's got this really normal looking house. Wow. Isn't that great? And that, that I, that's not great to me. That sucks. This guy has more money than I, I will. I will ever like look at. And right. he's choosing he's not to having fun with it. Yeah, he's not doing anything with it. Like, if you better believe if I were a billionaire, I'd live in a castle. Like, of course I would, because I have a billion dollars. <laughs> like, and I, it makes me mad that you have a billion dollars, but you decide to look like shit like that and, and have a bowl haircut. Yeah, you got to at are, least have a crown or something. Right. Are, are, you, are you ready to get even more upset? Do you know why? And I didn't actually realize that he wears the same thing all the time and that he just always <sighs> wears that outfit. But do you know why, why he wears that why? outfit and why it's always that outfit? Why is it always that outfit? Quote uh, Mark Zuckerberg: I really want to clear my life so I so that I have to make as few decisions as possible about anything except how to best serve the community. It, yeah, for sure. One of the ways he best served the community is recently he bought an island and kicked all the natives off of it. So that that's kind of like uh, when and when you know, Zuckerberg ends up in your community, <laughs> right? And and you know what? It's his outfit that gave him the mental clarity to do that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, last one for you. It's it's actually it's my Twitter, but I'm taking a screenshot. Um it's the worst interaction I've seen. Back to the Biden verse. Uh at infinite underscore scream said, Congratulations to America on their new rapist president because of um a, as we know, Biden's uh the allegations about Biden. To which a Biden supporter replied Thanks. We're very proud. As if that was a good comeback. <laughs> oh man. Gosh. We're very very proud you of guys, the rapist. You guys you guys asked huh. me you guys asked me to come talk about photography and now you got me talking about Joe. <laughs> Goddamn Biden. <laughs> Oh God! You it's had not- to know somewhere in your heart of hearts that that would come up. It's it's nine twenty. I have to be up at five thirty in the morning to go deliver mail for the U.S. Postal Service, and I'm heated. <laughs> I'm heated right now. Well, that's what you get for working for the government. For the government, that's right? For the government. Well, with with that in mind, that it's that it's getting late, we should probably go ahead and wrap it up. What do you think? Do some plugs and then get out of here. I think that sounds good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, just some plugs. Uh, do you want to start, Jared? I would like to plug the cool new T-shirt I bought Josiah and hope he wears sometime. 
um, I would like to. Oh, I have a real plug, actually. Oh shit. Um, so uh, I put out an album of music uh, recently, um, and I will link the Bandcamp to it in the show notes. It's it's an album called We Were Kids. Um, it's, uh, it's out on Bandcamp and hopefully within the next few days or weeks, it will also be on Spotify and iTunes and all that good stuff. So yeah, check that out. If you like, uh, acoustic punk kind of stuff, I don't know. Uh, Kip, I guess, uh, yeah, we're here for photography. So, uh, my Instagram is my last name, Paulson and it's Paulson Kip, uh, Instagram and, uh, follow along there and uh, see what Des Moines has to offer. Yeah. Hell yeah. I've been starting to do, think... yeah, I've been starting to do a little bit of video work that I throw on there too. And so that's, that's, yeah, yeah. That I've seen that variation up a little bit. Well, all right. We, we ready to get out of here. Is everybody any final words? Anyone? I don't think so. I'm, I'm, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is, this was a yeah, lot of no fun. Problem. I don't, I don't often get to yeah. talk like photography in general. Cause yeah. I mean, people, people will listen for like, you know, people will take my things for 10 minutes, but very rarely will they listen to me for two hours. <laughs> yeah. We are always uh, happy to talk photography. Yeah, we are. I, for sure. I'm desperately searching out people in life to, to spend hours going over details of gear that no one cares about. So yeah. it's always good to find somebody who, who can relate. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to Very Legal, Very Cool in an episode about finding out how to spell Kip's name. Turns out it's it's with two P's. Um, And a K. (laughs) (laughs) There's an I. (laughs) Uh, You can find us at Be Legal, Be Cool Pod on Twitter, or you can uh, you can check all sorts of stuff we do out at Very Legal, Very Dot Cool. Yeah. Or even email us at hello at Very Legal, Very Dot Cool. That's right. Um, And I I guess that's the episode. We did it. This episode of Very Legal, Very Cool is brought to you by Big Photography. Big Photography has been working tirelessly for the past hundred or so years to bring pictures, pretty and otherwise, right up to you. Now these pictures, they've been deemed good as well as bad. And many shades in between. And here at Very Legal, Very Cool, we're all about things that are subjective. And photography sometimes is one of those. And big photography wants you to believe that all photography is subjective and that your photography is good. So you buy more photography. And here at Very Legal, Very Cool, we wanna sell photography. So go to your local photography store and pick up a photography for yourself. Big photography. It's big. Hi, my name's Kip Paulson, and I'm a guest here on Very Legal, Very Cool, and I am a proponent for big photography. (laughs) Um, You know, I've I've, I've, uh, been touting big photography all over town, and just whenever I can, I try to get people to use big photography as often as possible. We believe that big photography can make a big change in your life. Big photography, it's photography. And if it doesn't make a big change, it's not big photography anymore, and you need to rethink what you're doing. The important thing to remember is that if you have a problem with big photography, the problem's you, not photography.
come to settle And all the broken glass swept off the avenue And all the way home held your camera like a Bible Just wishing so bad that it held some kind of truth And I stood nervous next to you in the dark room You dropped the paper in the water And it all begins to bloom Yeah, they go wild Yeah, they go wild Yeah, they go wild Yeah, they go wild Some flowers.